welcome friends to Liberation Lectionary. This is uh, the Advent edition, um, but the basic formula doesn't change. Uh, we look at the scriptures and the gospel assigned for the day and, and riff and discuss and search for those seeds of liberation that we know are present in, in our sacred texts um, to help preachers and activists and, and, and uh, you know, regular everyday folk trying to make sense of their faith and put it to action. Um, I'm Reverend Francisco Garcia, Episcopal priest and a, a full-time student out here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I got my homie right here always. Hi, Jamie Edwards Acton out here in Los Angeles and um, trying to you know stay in good trouble as much as possible. And, uh, but missing my co-conspirator on, uh, out there in Nashville. So it's good to see you, Francisco. Yeah, you too, man. So we are in Advent three and, um, you know, we're with Luke throughout Advent, which is a great, um, you know, great text and gospel to, to, to go through Advent. Um, and then, you know, the first um, two sessions of Advent, we, you know, we kind of started talking about how, um, the story starts, uh, you know, hits hard um, because it's it's really looking at this bigger picture dimension of what the Advent season is about, about watching for the signs and staying alert, um, you know, for the for the and, and active um, for the reign of God um, in our time. And so um, today we're looking at um, Luke um, three verses seventeen seven through eighteen, and Jamie's going to take us through that text. And this is from the New Revised Standard Version. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able uh, from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The gospel of the Lord. All right. So we, we continue with some fire, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, I love that last line after you know kind of given a rip you know like a, a harsh kind of what it's going to look like right 
Uh, he says, and so he continued to proclaim and likewise, you know, in other ways like this, the good news. Good news like, to the people. Wow. Well, let me Thanks, tell you what Luke. good news is. <laughs> I think about, um, we, you know, we're still, we're still beginning this, um, you know, this is well into Advent now, but we're still focusing on this prophetic tradition that John the Baptist um, reflects and then is setting up, obviously, um, uh, the way, you know, for the prophetic ministry of Jesus, right? And so, um, as the one who will, you know, you think that I'm, you think that I'm talking, talking it up. Just wait till you see and hear about this guy, Jesus, you know? <laughs> um, so what do you think, Jamie? Well, I think the first thing that stands out to me is just, you know, all these people coming out uh, to the desert, you know, and, and uh, just, uh, I'm curious just what draws them out there, you know, what, what is gathering all these people out there? And the clue that we get, right, is that uh, the people were filled with expectations, right? And they had, so I imagine they're coming out with all kinds of uh, needs. They're coming out, um, you know, with all kinds of hopes and stuff, um, but they were filled with this uh, expectation. And, um, and it's, they're all gathered there turning to John, um, you know, looking for some kind of sign and some kind of guide, some kind of words of wisdom. And so that's first that, you know, just how they all get out there. That's the first thing that stands out. The second thing is just that um, it's, you know, what John is asking of these people, like what it means to uh, kind of get right, you know, get right with God. It's kind of like, it's not this, it, it just kind of, the way I, re I feel it when I first read it, it's not a huge bar, a high bar that they're trying to, uh, you know, um make it over here that it's basically like you know if you see someone you know without a coat and you have to share it with them uh if you're a tax collector don't collect more than you're supposed to if you're a soldier stop extorting people right with threats and false be, accusations yeah these shouldn't be like radical things you know yeah, no these are just very well that's the i think that's the thing exactly what you're saying is that they they are radical in one sense, right? In comparison to like the values of that time and the values of our time, right? For uh, for many people in many communities, and um, where these do come off of, as radical, but it's very very basic kind of low bar stuff. So um, which is good, right? I mean that's the I think that's one of the things Jesus says is that. The God, you know, about the good news uh, or, or the gospel, it's not this heavy, heavy load, right? It's just really, it's just, there's a certain lightness to it. Um, and that's that's what kind of just the first thing that catches my eye in this reading. Hmm. It's real interesting that, um, that, yeah, that you say that there's, there's some lightness to it because, I mean, he starts out, he starts out heavy and he ends heavy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you brood of vipers, right? <laughs> um, and these are people that are coming to him. So like all of a sudden, so it's, it's almost like, you know, in our, in our contemporary language, all of a sudden John went viral, right? He made this yep. one TikTok video 
about, you know, baptizing people right here in this little river, you know, and he just had a few, a few strong committed, you know, that are really know about repentance and they're fully in. All of a sudden he gets everybody and, you know, showing up. He's like, where'd all these people come from, right? Who warned you, right? He's like, you, you, want, you want some of this, right? And that's what he says, bear fruits worthy of repentance, you know? Right. Show through your acts that you actually, um, you know, are, are living out what you say that you intend to, right? And then that's why they ask, well, what should we do then, right? We're here. And then he breaks it down, very basic. Well, we, you know, you know, very, and very material, right? Again, we talk about the materiality of the gospel that, you know, the spiritual revolution that is taking place here is that people are seeing their neighbor. They're actually looking to their neighbor um, and realizing um, both the injustices, right? The fact that there are haves and have nots, right? Whoever has two coats must share. Um, tax collectors, right? Um, uh, don't extort, right? Looking at the, these are systemic issues of injustice, but they're also material right. issues. They're about how can we take care of each other so that everyone has the sufficient means um, to, to survive and not only survive, but to actually flourish in our society. And how do we change that? How do we change our culture that is perhaps organized um, against that, you know? Right. Yeah. No, totally. I And this imagery, I love the imagery. I love the, you know, the bare fruits worthy of repentance. Uh, you know, and we talked about, I think last week, uh, you reminded people, you know, that um, this, you know, this word is based in met metanoia, right? The, uh, for the Greek, which is simply to change or to turn, right? So, um, so what John is calling, you know, saying that, you know, all of us here, none of us get off the hook. It might be a low bar, but nobody gets a free pass. And the brood of vipers, right, uh, image, I love that too, because I heard, I read somewhere that is like, you know, brood of vipers is like a bunch of snakes trying to wriggle out of things, right? So here, you know, like we always do, right, we're trying to, you know, kind of wiggle our way out of uh, being accountable for this or having to take on this fight of injustice against injustice or you know kind of risking our privilege you know uh in this situation and um so i feel like there is uh yeah that john is saying you know that everybody's in everybody has to have skin in the game and um and and uh but it, you know so i i think even though everybody has to be in it's not impossible you know what i mean this is like this is very doable what i hear john saying here yeah and then he's also saying but you got to be all in right like this mm -hmm. is that he goes into the 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 decide what it means to be baptized you know by the one who is to come jesus right he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire right and so the kind of we, we've talked about this in past episodes about the kind of refining that happens right um, and, and this is, I think you and I probably would agree that this, this, uh, reference at the end about the winnowing fork and gathering the wheat and the chaff, the chaff will be burned with the unquenchable fire. I, uh, I don't read that as like, uh, you know, that, that hell condemnation that maybe what, you know, could be read. Some people might read into this, that this is about you know, separating, you know, those who are saved from those who are not saved. I think this is what this is saying is 
the, the extent of metanoia that is going to take place when you commit yourself to this, to be baptized um, through the Holy Spirit, the fire that comes, you know, the challenge to our lives and the, and, and the, the kind of, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, sort of complicity that we have or com complicity and complacency, right? Mm -hmm. In the way that we live our lives. All of that has to fundamentally change. Right, right. And so even so though the bar to enter is not low, once we're in, we're radically changed. We need to be. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I, I, and I'm glad you raised that point. Like people automatically read these kind of references as groups of people, right? Where he's going to separate groups of people when it doesn't even mention anything about that. It just, it's, it's you know, we don't exactly, he doesn't uh, say exactly what is, what, you know, where's the separation or the, or the kind of purification process happening. And I would think it would, it's happening internally, right? So it's a spiritual internal experience, not just in the individual, but in the community. In a community, right? in yes, society. exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I totally love that. Um, and and so now, now I can hear that last line a bit, a little bit better, right? Because yeah. uh, <laughs> um, it's not like anybody's going to be, there's no indication here that anybody is going to be cast into the outer darkness or you know, uh, left behind or, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and so it makes it much more good news. And I, I love to the image of the, you know, the just baptizing. Um, and I love the fact that John, you know, baptizes in the river and not in, uh, you know, in the, in a font where you get sprinkled with, you know, a few drops, because there is this, you said all in, right? Everybody's all in. And so there's this immersive quality to baptism. At least there should be, right? I mean, yeah. where that's part of what it, you know, baptism is all about is to immerse ourselves in this reality, right? Of God's uh, reign and God's, the values that come with that and the priorities that come with that, the, the change paradigms that come to that, you know, uh, it's immersing ourselves completely in that reality and becoming part of it. And I think that, you know, that's some important work that we could be doing as communities during Advent is to really examining, um, yeah, I mean, we could do this year round, but, um, you know, this in the Episcopal tradition for those fellow Episcopalians that are listening, and, and I think it applies to other traditions as well, but, you know, we have the baptismal covenant, which um, I think is really central to our identity, um, uh, and, you know, the folks who wrote the Book of Common Prayer, uh, who re revised it in 1979, agree with that. You know, there, like there was a theological shift that happened there in lifting up um, that we are a community rooted and united by our baptism. And even though we have priests and, de and deacons, you know, we have and bishops, we have these orders, those orders um, we all exist together, actually, as lay people united by our baptism, and that's where we get our call to ministry. That's where we get our call right. to live into the covenant, which talks about resisting evil, right, and standing against oppression, and, and seeking and serving Christ in all persons, respecting the dignity of every hum, human person, and, and working, striving for peace and justice. All of that is there, and so when I think about that where it says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I kind of, when I think of the fire, I think of that. It's like, mm -hmm. it is that deep 
call to live in fully into our baptism as individuals and in community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can't say it better than that. I do, I do want to, I, I, I do want to, uh, we talked before we came on just to remind uh, folks that on Advent three, uh, you know, this year uh, on the Sunday, December 12th, that, um, that many communities will be celebrating uh, the feast of La Virgen de Guadalupe, and that's in um, our Lester Feast of Fast. It's being revised, at least, and to be included both liturgies. And we're checking out the reading from that's assigned from it from Luke six, which is the you know the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Plain. And um, and I'm I'm just wondering how we might uh, you know share like some connecting points. Um, Francisco, between what we just talked about with uh, John, you know, immersing people in this reality out, you know, um, out in the desert. That's it seems where everything happens out in the desert. And um, and then with this, uh, the celebration of La Virgen de Guadalupe, if you don't know the story, I would suggest that you, uh, you know, Google it and read about the story uh, of La Virgen and Juan Diego and just the, uh, the impact and uh, that it's had on uh, the Latin American, you know, community, I think primarily, and then, or first, I would say, and then others. Um, and, um, but I do, I, I guess the one connection I will uh, make with it, Francisco, that seems pretty easy, is just how, um, you know, the story of Juan Diego and La Virgen in Guadalupe, it was a real paradigm shift, right? It wasn't a, it was a, it was a complete, Kind of in many ways, as as so often happens in the gospel, a reversal of things, right? Who becomes who is the protagonist? Who are the you know who are the ones that are bearing God's word and good news and stuff? And it's not just the um, you know the the muckety mucks, whether they be in society or in the church or whatever, but in the case of the story of Juan Diego and La Virgen, it's it's a, it flips that expectation around. And I think that's happening out here in the desert too, right? That there is this uh, changing of, a, you know, not just that scene is not just kind of a representation of that, but I think John is inviting people to be immersed in a, in a world where that script is constantly being flipped. That's what God's work is all about, is flipping the script of, you know, who are the main character, who are the protagonists in terms of carrying out God's mission of love and justice and, and peace and equity and inclusion. So right. um, that's my first uh, just stab at it. I don't know if you well, have any thoughts I think on it. That, so yeah, I mean, I think it's great that the, I think it's the the Book of Occasional Services, 2018 mm -hmm. edition. Oh yeah, yeah. Includes um, both Las Posadas, which is another tradition, right? In the Latinx and sort of Mexican-American um, tradition. Um, the the reenactment of the the story the journey that Joseph and Mary made, you know, as in as migrant refugees, um, preparing for the birth of Jesus and seeking shelter, right, which is what Posada means, um, and and Guadalupe, the the liturgy for Guadalupe is in is in there too. So it's there as a resource. But I almost think that, I mean. December 12th, you know, is such a sacred day um, for so many of our communities um, that if you're going to do that liturgy, um, yeah, spend some time. Um, we could probably unpack the, 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 the text and um, the, the original text, right, the Nikan Mopoa, 
we mm -hmm. could probably do a liberation lectionary just on that you know yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe i don't know if we have some time we may do that right we may do a special yeah. guadalupe edition of liberation lectionary um to uh, you know so some may do advent three traditionally and you may venture out right and um and do do something or do some kind of a hybrid but because i think there's so much in that text um, yeah. when you talk you know that engagement between juan diego and and um y la virgen um you know there's just some real important dialogue that happens about from being a person a, a, a nobody um you know a, a nothing right um right. juan diego was someone who was just rendered uh, kind of like when we discussed like in 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 the gospel of mark when we were a few uh, last month um he was a non-entity in the culture right. right a peasant indigenous person he was like an invisible person um and only seen for the 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 labor um that you know could be extracted from him right um mm -hmm. you know, for the for the empire and so for him to be the person who is seen, right, um, by, you know, the mother of God, right, if we think about it, to be seen yep. and to be called and to be named and to be, to be sent as her emissary, right, um, that is, that is sort of like, like you said, that work of, of inversion, right, that is the, you know, the preferential option, really, it's sort of like the seeds of liberation theology, in a way, um, right, and and the the from the perspective of the Juan Diego, um, right. that's where God's revelation, you know, one aspect of God's revelation, um, a culturally uh, specific one, shows up. Right, and the and then the reason it's it just resonates. Uh, one, I mean, there's many reasons uh, that story resonates so much. Is uh, one of them is just that it's so in line with the gospel right the 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 momentum of the gospel or how the you know the stories we read in the gospel i mean this is just another embodiment of that right of la virgen you know naming and uh knighting juan diego right and then commissioning juan diego and then assuring juan diego that he has the capacity the agency right um the wherewithal to get done what she's asking him to do, um, regardless of the odds stacked against them, right? And it's such a wonderful, yeah, liberation story. And um, and but it's it's so in line with the gospel, and that has that has to be one of the reasons, you know, among many, what you know, it uh, it resonates so much. Yeah, and I know that. So in Advent four, we're going to get into the Magnificat, you know, and so I'm sort of surprised though that um that the Magnificat is not already is included as one of the scriptures for um this liturgy in the you know mm -hmm. in um right. the book of occasional services because I would include it and I think that when I when I've done this service I have included um you know the Magnificat as a key reading to link the gospel story with this you know uh story from a from a specific cultural context you know um and, and that relates so powerfully as you said so there you go i think we can play with the scriptures and you know do what feels right if it's you know if it's proclaiming the good news in, in some way yep cool well now uh, you've it sounds like you've given us more work to do francisco so we better get on it and uh, because, uh, yeah, we, we need to give people options for Advent 3. 
And um, so now they've heard a little bit about, um, you know, what we think about what John is still doing out there in the desert and what that's all about. And then we give them a taste of the La Virgen. So uh, we may have to ex expand this a little bit and pull in some of the texts and, and uh, see what we can discover. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, until then, Francisco, um, you want to tell anybody, folks, anything they need to know before we split here? Just remember, we're, uh, you can check us out on podcasts, um, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, give us a like on the Facebook page. Um, share your comments and your questions. Let us know. You're, um, we love to know that you're out there and listening and engaging. And um, if there's anything else that you want to see. Until next time. All right. Peace. Peace.